Anyway, since we seem to be out of witnesses, I thought I'd drink a little. So we're recording that? We are on. Okay, well, yeah, there it says right there, they're recording. <clears throat> Here we are, uh, Straight Law uh, Cocktail Podcast in the same room. This is the first time that we've done this in the same room together. And... Uh, we both happen to be in the office, and uh, so we thought, yeah, we'll try this out. And we're also trying out Tyler's uh, new fancy uh, microphone that has a light, which I'm going to mute for a second so you can see it. Or unmuted again. Um, so Tyler, how's your week? You had JDR this morning? Did yeah, I had a binding JDR this morning. And binding JDR. A binding JDR. <laughs> Whatever so, that is. So we're not going to get into it because it's still ongoing. And <laughs> right. I don't want to prejudice your client or yourself by giving my thoughts, so we won't. <laughs> um, best of luck uh, in the conclusion of that. Yeah, it's great. Um, I was in court briefly on Zoom this morning, uh, adjourned my application. Um, and so uh, Tyler's JDR is done. and. I'm casual because I'm not in court this afternoon, so we thought we'd do the uh, straight law cocktail today, which is today. Th Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. yeah. And um, and what are you drinking here? Uh, I've just got some bourbon, uh, the Woodford Reserve. And I'm drinking ouzo. Oh, just ouzo. Just straight ouzo. Well, on the rocks. All right. Um, because I wish I was in Greece. My favorite place on the earth that I can't go because of COVID. So screw COVID, but I'm gonna drink some ouzo anyway. Drink some ouzo and hang out with me. There you go. It's <laughs> almost like being a Greek island. Not quite. Um, so, so I'm sorry that we were absent. We weren't around for a couple of weeks. I had, like a little child, I had my tonsils removed. And, uh, and I actually got to stay in the pediatrics ward for a night uh, for some reason. Yeah, it was appropriate. And so I've been struggling to recuperate and recover, but I'm pretty good. I still got some stitches down my throat, but um, I'm feeling way better now. So um, so I've been holding down the fort, sort of. Oh, times you're doing great. Yeah. Um, and we're uh, approaching the end of the week, and it's been busy, uh, our little uh, office. And, um, and we've managed to be busy without getting a lot of advertising on CTV or the Globe and Mail, like Schulman and Partners. Uh, if you follow my Twitter at all, a um, whole pile of newspaper articles masquerading uh, that are masqueraded advertising for a law firm, which I found amusing. Somehow we don't get newspaper articles, uh, but we still manage to be busy. Um, so, um, I think what we were going to talk about today was a uh, interesting decision called uh, Clemens and Latner from the Ontario Court of Appeal, just released, I think, in the last couple of weeks, um, where they uh, basically found that a couple who never lived in the same home 
on a continuous basis. They shared weekends together. Yeah, every second weekend for some time. They went on holidays together. And he had some like vacation properties where they would they would live together for a couple months at a time in the summer they'd holiday there. Yeah. He had offered her a marriage on a condition that she sign a cohabitation or a prenuptial agreement, which she consistently refused to sign. And he thought, based on probably pretty good legal advice, that he was safe. You're not living with her. You're not going to end up paying spousal support, alimony. Probably be okay. That's pretty good advice. Yeah, and I've given that advice. And what happened to this guy? Uh, well, this guy... He wasn't your client, was he? No, no. Fortunately for me. Yeah. Um, or maybe him, I don't know. But uh, the Ontario Court of Appeals said... You don't have to actually live together, live together. If you're in a committed relationship that apparently strongly committed boyfriends and girlfriends are enough to entitle you to, in this case, I think it was like $53,000 a month alimony, spousal support. Okay, now in all fairness, you don't end up having to pay $53,000 a month in spousal support unless you've got a ton of money. Yeah. And so you can kind of get the gist, the idea here that and we got a guy who's got a ton of money who dated a woman who became accustomed to spending that money. Yep. And now she gets to continue getting that money, even though the relationship's over. Yeah. And I think my comment on Twitter, mm -hmm. I mentioned this case, and my Twitter comment succinctly was, you can't make this shit up. This is reality. This is the, uh, the, the reality of family law, where there is no known law. There is the laws we understand it today, which isn't necessarily the laws it will be tomorrow. No, I've given that advice before where I tell clients, you know, here's a prenup, here's a co-op agreement. This is the best protection you're going to get today based on the case law that exists and the legislation that exists today. And even sometimes legislation or case law that we might anticipate is coming down the line. Uh, but this, this threw a wrench into things, for sure. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it is what I would refer to. We talked about this earlier. When I was in law school a million years ago, mid 80s, uh, our professors spoke with a high degree of criticism uh, of the concept of palm tree justice. And Tyler, I think when I first mentioned that term, you didn't have any idea what that meant. No. And so I, I explained to him the palm tree justice uh, <clears throat> is premised on the idea that in more traditional cultures, when people had a dispute, they would sit under a palm tree with the elder or the leader of their community, and they would share their story, and he would make a decision. And that decision was based on whatever he thought was fair, and there was no stare decisis is a Latin term we use. There's no precedent. There was no predictability. It was based on his whims at the moment of what was fair and unfair. And at least back in the mid eighties, the professors I had from the University of British Columbia said, this is a really terrible thing because it doesn't allow people to organize their lives in accordance with uh, a somewhat structured uh, statement of their obligations to each other uh, so that they could form reasonably predictable legal entanglements 
understanding what the consequences were. So what Rob, because that made very little sense to me. What Rob means is we want the law to be predictable. We want to know that if we run someone over with our car and we don't have insurance, we're going to get sued and it's going to be out of our pocket. We wanted some predictability in the law. And in this palm tree justice, it's kind of this gut instinct stuff. It's tough to know what's the predictability, right? That, and so we want that. We also, you know, we want to balance the predictability with sort of this flexibility to apply the law to new circumstances and new scenarios, which is sort of what happened in this case. Well, it happened in spades. <laughs> right. Yes. You know, this gentleman yes. clearly was advised by his lawyers <clears throat> not to live with her until she signs a cohabitation or a prenuptial agreement. That's evident, yeah. And he did that, and she knew that, and uh, would have been aware that his intention was they were not creating a legal relationship uh, relative to legal obligations. She yes. refused to sign it, right? She, she knew she, she wanted did. it. She knew they weren't going to live together unless she signed it. She refused to sign it. They still didn't live together. So then what happens is they, it sounds like the girlfriend uh, had a uh, falling out of some type with the adult daughter of the gentleman, her yeah. boyfriend, um, Mr. Uh, uh, Latner, and they broke up. And the unfortunate situation was that for all her wonderful qualities, apparently she had a complete incapacity of earning anything approaching minimum wage. Uh, she was limited to $21,000 a year as a yoga instructor. And he was a multimillionaire. And clearly, I mean, when you beat around the bush, uh, the court went, well, it seems really shitty that you have a whole bunch of money and she doesn't. And so we're going to give her a bunch of your money. I think that's really what the decision says. But the problem is um, when clients now come to me and they say, well, uh, I got this girlfriend and uh, we're dating and uh, she wants to move in. I used to say, well, uh, sign a prenuptial agreement. And if you don't do that, don't let her move in and you'll be safe. And now I have to say, uh, does she make as much money as you do? And if she doesn't, what do we tell her? Yeah, you, you really shouldn't date that person. Yeah, you Better tell off her. dating somebody who's got the same amount of money. her to the curb, right? Okay, now in all fairness, you Rob, gotta go, sweetheart. There's a little more at play here, okay? So there's a little more at play in this case where uh, Mr. Latner seemed to enjoy having this woman and her schedule at his disposal. He enjoyed having her be able to cook meals and bring it to her house when he wanted. Because he, the law was that he wasn't at jeopardy. And he bought yeah. her all sorts of shit. And the court goes on to say, I don't want you to work. I want you to be available for my schedule. I want you to go to summer with me. I want you to go on holidays when I want to go. I'll take care of some bills for you if you don't work. So, yes. so the lines got blurred a little bit there. So I suppose if a client came in and said, I got this girlfriend I'm, or boyfriend, and they don't make as much money oh, as oh, me. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Let's be candid. Okay, fine. Yeah, all right. Typically, do you believe where the tables turned, and it no, was an incredibly either. rich woman with uh, a, a, a gentleman that was a yoga instructor? He began alimony. In my experience, you would have had a judge tell if the tables were turned, they would tell the young the, the gentleman, "Why don't you go get a job? 
Exactly. That's my experience anyway. But getting back to my point though, whether or not the lines were somewhat blurred because of holidays or whatever, or her <clears throat> supporting him uh, in ways Me. other than financially, the question is if, if a, a person, let's be direct, if a man, a male person has a significant income and is dating a woman with marginal or modest income, and he says to you, what should I do? I'm a little bit nervous because I'm making a pile of dough and my girlfriend doesn't. What do you tell him? Yeah, it's not got to kick him to the curb. Yeah, that's the easiest not the thing to do. That's is, the best protection you're going to get. The only protection is <clears throat> don't spend weekends with each other. Uh, Clemens and Ladner says there is a very great line that dating may be enough to require you to pay someone $53,000 Particularly if there's a big income differential. Yeah. Now, more advice you could give beyond that, if you're gonna, if you insist on dating somebody with way less money than you, you could say, make sure you're, you're spending equal amounts on anything you do together, whether it be vacations, properties, you buy anything. Now that might not be very feasible or possible, especially if there's a big income differential, and that might drive you again. Yeah, but you don't even know that's going to protect you. No, because you of don't. course, it didn't rest its decision <laughs> no, on it didn't. what her contribution was. In fact, the court said she contributed relatively nothing yep. to his success. Yeah. Um, so whether or not she contributed to the cost of holidays, or they, you know, because in this case, they had a clearly separate financial arrangement. True. Yeah, they, they didn't, didn't bank share. together. Yeah. Um, so they had their own assets. So you got, yeah, so you got this decision that, uh, frankly, I think is stupid in the extreme. <laughs> uh, I imagine it's going to find its way to the Supreme Court of Canada. If history tells us anything, Supreme Court of Canada will probably uphold it. Probably. Um, so palm tree <clears throat> justice runs amok again, which means uh, lawyers get to argue more stupid shit for lots of money. Um, because everything is arguable. There's very little anymore where you can say with any certainty, this is not worth arguing about. Yeah. Do you get that sense in family law? Yeah, I mean, let's say I get a woman comes in that fits this profile. All right, let's run it. Sure, let's give it a shot. Let's take it a shot. I can make some money. You stand to benefit. We could give it a shot. Now, we're here in Alberta, and this is an Ontario Court of Appeal case. True. Do you want to tell us about that, Rob, or do you want me to talk about it? Well, in my experience, um, the level of deference that courts have in Alberta for what judges do in particular in Ontario and British Columbia is modest um, for various reasons. Um, some of it is, I think, professional ego. We know better. Um, some of it is our social realities are slightly different and the court is a reflection of its community on some level. Um, so uh, unless this goes to the Supreme Court of Canada, uh, will the Alberta courts follow this? I suspect some will for certainty. Um, and then ultimately it'll find its way to the Court of Appeal and they may or may not find favor with the approach taken by the Ontario Court of Appeal. The thing I found really interesting in this case um, the legislation in, in Ontario is fairly similar to our legislation in Alberta, um, where to entitle you to support, 
you have to be in, in the wording in the Ontario, which is very similar to Alberta, you have to have cohabited continuously for a period of not less than three years. And continuously seems to be the operative word uh, that really forms the argument in this case. The curious thing is, as you read this case from, again, the Ontario Court of Appeal, <clears throat> and it's, uh, how many pages is it? Well, I don't know how many it would be. Anyway, several pages yeah. of decision. It's probably 10 or 15 pages. Um, the word continuously is used twice. So the central issue in this case, whether or not these people cohabited continuously, it's referenced once when they cite the statute, yeah. and once when they sort of go, uh, you don't have to actually live continuously to live continuously. Now That's I wonder, it. is that the court's fault? Or do you think that to some degree, Mr. Latner's lawyer should have pushed that issue a little bit more. And I guess, you know, we see the written decision. We don't see what the argument was. We don't have the transcripts from the hearing. Uh, but I do wonder, that to me seems like a big issue. You have to have lived continuously, cohabited continuously for at least three years. And the facts of this are, they spent some weekends together, every second weekend for a period of time, and then uh, some summers together. That seems like a big issue. And I wonder if, I wonder if that was just on the court or if there was yeah. some issue about. I'm thinking, you know, this gentleman's paying $53,000 a month alimony. I'm thinking he paid some pretty good lawyers. Oh yeah, fair enough. Um, so I'd be shocked if they didn't say continuously about a million times yeah, during the trial. Um, <clears throat> it's hard to say we don't have a transcript of what happened. Yeah. But it was rather shocking to me, and it, I think the decisions, personally, I think it's per poorly decided. But the fact that the court was so, uh, it was so easy for them to ignore that issue, that term. Uh, they really spent a lot of time talking about co conjugal relationships and cohabitation. Uh, being a broader definition than continuously sharing the same residence. But continuous means something. It's not a term of art. If nothing else, one would think, right? If you said to me, um, I continuously held up this glass of ouzo throughout the podcast. Now, I think a normal person would say that strictly is not the case. I think. But, I, but the thing is, I think they would say, well, maybe you, if you put it down for a minute and you pick it up again, as long as the vast majority of time you were holding that ouzo up, you might be able to say you continuously held it up. But is there a single person out there, just feel free to write in, to comment, is there a single human being in the known universe that would say, if I do not hold this up at least at least half the time of this podcast, I could still say I held it up continuously. What do you think? What if you only held it up every second weekend? Yeah. <laughs> like two out of 14s, right? Yeah, I would say that. So the point is, if you can't at least get to 
I think common sense is God. Yes, you're not continuously doing anything. Yeah. And apparently in Ontario, at least at the level of the Court of Appeal, continuously can mean something less than half, which seems odd to me. But, you know, I'm an old guy that, you know, maybe has a hard time changing with the times. So the predictability that you and I want out of the court system is uh, unfortunately questionable, especially in light of this case. Yeah. And you know what, the thing we haven't touched on is what sort of message does that send to the public at large? So we did touch on this a little bit recently. What do you tell your client who's going to date somebody who's makes significantly less money than them? What does that mean when their lawyer has to tell them well, a lot that you're running a pretty big risk? Yeah. You probably shouldn't do it. Uh, that's not a good message to say that these single moms, these people who are underpaid for their contributions are not dateable or not dateable by somebody with a large income. Yeah, and, and, and that's, that's an interesting want. point, because I did read uh, some time ago an article that talked about class stratification in North America. And one of the things they said is the, uh, the increased aggression of the courts in uh, awarding alimony and division of property has resulted in an increased stratification so that people of means are less likely to date outside their class and outside their economic sort of uh, peers. And think about what that means generationally a little bit too, right? Uh, you know, I, I do fine. My son will get educated. My daughter will get educated. Uh, they'll hopefully do fine. They're not going to date people who are make less money than them. And all of a sudden we've got all the top end getting higher and the lower end getting lower. That's what this, this class stratification means. And over time, that's scary. Well, right now it's scary. Uh, give it a generation or two or three, it's scarier and scarier. It's not what you want. Yeah. Well, no, I don't think it's what we want. Yeah, and, and you're exactly right. Yeah. I mean, you, you have a couple things going on. You have increased potential class stratification. You also have a diminished respect for the courts. Yeah. Because I think what happens is we, we exist sometimes in little echo chambers. And if I am, uh, you look at the US election. If I'm on Twitter and I'm a Trump supporter, um, I like talking to everybody that shares that opinion. And if I really like Joe Biden, I like talking to people with that opinion. And no one ever challenges you to go, you're at your freaking mind if you like Donald Trump, um, which would probably be a prevailing wisdom. But regardless, um, I think sometimes uh, in the legal profession, and certainly maybe at the judicial level, we uh, exist in a little bit of a thought bubble, and you make decisions that you try to respond to what you perceive as a, uh, a hard case, if you will, but it stretches credulity in a way that uh, you wouldn't do if you were sitting at a bar talking to your, your friends. Right. Who might so, you so while we were just doing this discussion, I thought maybe I'm out of line, right? Maybe continuously doesn't mean at least half. I thought it did, um, but I could be wrong. So I just quickly looked up um, uh, definition of uh, continuously. Merriam-Webster, uh, in a continuous manner without interruption. That's Merriam-Webster 
Um, what else? Dictionary.com. I mean, uh, what do they say? Uh, adjective, uninterrupted in time without cessation. Oh, okay. Uh, what about the Cambridge Dictionary? Uh, continuously without a pause or interruption. So I think when judges say continuously means a lot of the time, um, most people in public are going to think that judge got his head up his ass. It's my opinion. But there it is. I feel a little better criticizing judges in Ontario. <laughs> yeah, that's it's not right. That's problematic. <clears throat> it's problematic. Um, and again, being a judge is hard. Um, I've sat on hearings for law societies in a judicial capacity, and it's a difficult job. But I think at some point, um, uh, there has to be some semblance of understanding on the part of the judiciary to respond to what seems to be pretty clear legislation in a manner that would be understood by the public. Um, so if you've got a couple of lawyers, I've been doing this for 35 years roughly, if it doesn't seem to make sense to me, the idea of the man on the street, that making sense, and then feeling like this is, uh, this is a reasonable approach, it's just not gonna happen. And that erodes uh, respect for the rule of law, which is pretty fundamental to our democracy. And society, generally. So. Which we've talked about in other, other episodes, yeah. So, um, maybe a bit a little bit harsh, maybe it's the Uzo talking, maybe it's the COVID making me bitchy and grumpy, uh, all of that's probably true. Um, but I still think it's a terrible decision, and I hope Supreme Court of Canada overturns it, and I guess we'll find out, and I hope Alberta judges don't uh, accept it, but I think some of them will, and then we'll get to our Court of Appeal, and I guess we'll see what the Court of Appeal does with that in Alberta. Then we'll just be players and we'll give you the advice that we got to give you. Yeah. That's it. That's it. All right, everybody. Well, uh, this is Thursday for us, but uh, yeah. we're not going to see you on the weekend. So have a good weekend, everybody. Enjoy your, uh, your COVID if you're in uh, Quebec. Uh, you know, keep your eyes open for those uh, in, apparently easily obtained warrants for police going to kick down your doors. To see if you're uh, having a beer with your brother-in-law. Heard about that. Um, and uh, be safe, be healthy. See y'all later. Cheers, everybody. <laughs>